Well, good morning, greetings, and hello, everybody. Can we give the Lord a good hand clap of praise this morning? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it today. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Right here, right now, we are living in a fresh moment of creation. This moment that we are in is, is, has been given to us. We are here when others could not be. Other folks have, their time on this earth is up and it's over, but we are still here. We are still here in this time frame, in this moment. And in this moment, there is, it's time for one thing. And it's time for one thing only. It's not time to worry. It's not time to think about other things. It's not time to figure anything out, right? At this very second, that is where all that stops. If you're trying to plan on something, if you're trying to think through something, if you had a situation this morning that was going on and you're still thinking about it, you just got to press the pause button on it right now. Because right now, right here, in this second, it is time to worship the Lord. And for us to truly worship God, when we lift our hands and we close our eyes, our mind gets fully encaptured on God. And we focus on Him. And when our thoughts begin to pull us in another direction, we say, no, I am here to worship God. Right here, right now, can we stand to our feet? Can we proclaim to any enemy that's looking in and to ourselves that's trying to pull us away. I am here this morning to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who created the stars in the sky, the one who created the trees on the earth, the one who created the oceans and the fish and the animals, and the one who created me, the one who loves me and died for me, the one who takes care of me, who Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. 
to be praised. Why don't you just lift your hands and worship him this morning? Hallelujah, Jesus.
I, we're doing that stuff today too. It feels so good here this morning. I'm just such a refreshing place to be in the presence of the Lord. It's a safe place. You know, we operate in this world where we have to constantly be protective of ourselves and we have to be very careful about what we say and what we do because we want to, you know, be the best version of ourselves everywhere we go and everything we do. And, and, it, and, it, and it's tiring and it, and it gets tough and it's hard, but it's in this place when we come and walk through those doors, if we can convince ourselves to just get into a place of worship where we can find what God calls the rest. He is our rest in our mind, in our spirit, in our bodies. God can recharge us and refresh us if we convince ourselves to come in this place and participate in the situation that God has set up for us. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that there's some folks in here today that have come into his rest. I feel the peace of God is just is in this place. And I believe that if you will allow God today throughout the rest of this time that we're here, if you would just let God be God, just take your whole situation and press pause and just let God be God. When you walk out of this place today and you walk back into the areas of life that we're responsible for, I believe that you'll see some things have changed. I believe God will have changed your perspective on some things, the way you feel about things. And I believe there's some things that actually might change in the outside too. If you'll let God, if is the big question. If we can convince ourselves to let God be God today, there's no telling what God can do. Well, we got some things going on in life throughout the week. I'm not going to take too much time. We're getting ready to take up today's pies and offerings, giving back to God uh, some of what he's given to us as an act of worship. You know, we don't just give to give. We give because God has given to us. And we are worshiping the Lord in our giving. And uh, but uh, I do. There's a, a few things going on I want to mention before we take up the offering. Uh, that, that if you're curious about what's going on in life as a whole, this is the tool that you need to grab before you leave. It gives us all day long, all week long, what's going on. But I just want to point out a few things. Um, Welcome to life has started back up. Um, we used to call that firm foundation. Um, but we've kind of changed the name, and I like it, Welcome to Life. It gives you an opportunity to see uh, what we're about here at Life, give you, give you an opportunity to kind of see how our take on how this thing should go and how we operate around here. If, if you're confused about things, about what we're doing and how we're doing it, uh, you go, go to Welcome to Life classes, and by the end of it, you're going to be excited, want to get plugged in, and you're going to have a full understanding of how it all goes down here in Jesus' name. That's on Tuesday nights. Uh, our in-person class is, I think we're full on our in-person class. Close to what we're, yeah. If you would like to be part of the Welcome to Life class, it's in pastor's office. So the seating is limited. It has already started, but that's okay. There's like a bunch of different lessons. Um, so I just, I'm saying this because I want to encourage everyone in here. If you haven't gone through Firm Foundation or you haven't gone through the Welcome to Life class, please um, try to get in there. If you can't get in the class, we do have a Zoom link that you can log on to and you can be part of the class there. And uh, that's, it's just a great thing that we do here and I'm glad we do it. And if you haven't gone through it, 
go through it in Jesus' name. Mommy and me also have some cool stuff going on this week on Thursday, and we appreciate them for doing that. We are going to get we're going to go ahead and take up our tithes and offering. We're going to worship the Lord as we give. We love you, God, and we thank you. We ask you, Lord, that as we give, that you'll help us to give from our heart as unto you. We love you and thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Come forward. Give unto the Lord. When you're done giving, reach out. Shake somebody's hand. If you're not coming forward to give, go ahead and reach over and greet somebody. Say hi. Welcome to life. Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice.
chapter 19. And I have my Bible and just be prepared to take notes because some of these things I'm not going to be able to talk about um, in depth. But uh, if you have not read the Bible through, I encourage you. You don't have to wait until January 1st to do it. You can start today. If you haven't read your Bible through um, in your lifetime, or you haven't done it in a while, it is profitable for each and every one of us to actively be working each and every day on our life reading through the Bible. And I believe definitely that you have to read through it at least sometime in your life, at least one complete time from beginning to end. Not taking notes, not doing anything else, but just working through that because it'll help when pastors speak something to bring to remembrance and make these connective synapses in your Holy Ghost, hallelujah, that you may have greater understanding and insights. A few short years ago, there was a reality show, which I know y'all don't know about, but <laughs> it was about a Christian family. At the time, the family was a marvel of the modern-day culture of Christian ethics, familyhood, business sense, and modesty standards. They were the talk of Christian households and in the churches, around the office cooler, on the morning news shows, and in some, um, some many church circles. After a few years, the show and the family started to show cracks in his armor. And many ugly things were exposed to the world. And their name became, as the word says, a byword. Their family name became a byword. So this morning what I'm going to be starting off with is I'm going to be starting off with Leviticus 19. And we're reading 1 through 4. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, hold on to this, ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father. You hear that? Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God, Turn ye not into idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. Reverend Parks, you could go ahead and pray for the service, please. Lord, we're thankful for your word, for it is living. Allow it, O Lord God, to abide within us as the word comes forth from the preacher. Anoint Reverend Monday today, Lord, to speak a word into our hearts. O God, as we receive this living word, allow it to manifest itself. Lord, for it to heal, for it to deliver, and to save. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hallelujah. That's right. We can clap for that. We can clap for that. Hallelujah. Holiness. You are being called out. How many of us in our lifetime, I know each and every one of us, majority of us, I, I can't say everybody. Um, well, as a matter of fact, let me stop. Probably all of us. Because if you were homeschooled through your um, primary education from kindergarten through high school, you was called out, unless you were the only child. You were called out by somebody, right? Yeah, yeah. So, the thing is, the Word speaks, and the Word says, and I think we have a misunderstanding many times. Today, we're talking about 
holiness, you've been called out. But if you can pull it up, brother, the heading that I had on there. If you look at it, the thing that I want to point out is that many times when we think of called out in the word, the word says that the Lord has called us out. But people think as we look at Christianity around the world, especially in America, you have some organizations that have pulled themselves away and so far out. I don't know how many of you ever lived in Pennsylvania or Kentucky or uh, uh, northern Tennessee as I have, but I remember when me and my wife had met when I was stationed in uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky back in the early 90s, they had these groups of Amish people and you'd see them out there with their horse and carriage. And sometime before that, I went to visit a friend up in Kentucky and I was riding a bus and the bus rolls up and you see these people get out of their horse and carriage Tied off to the little pylon at the gas station we stopped at. You know that's old school. I don't even think buses stop at gas stations anymore. Tied it up to the little um, and they hopped on the bus and they was going in town, had their big hat and all that on, straight black, white clothes, looking like a black and white photo. And many think, and this is what the Bible is talking about, but many have taken it to that level where we assume that when the Lord says we're called out, that we're taken basically out of the world to have no contact, to have no fellowship, which, hold on to this, when I say fellowship, I mean just daily contact, not meaning that we hang out with them everywhere that they go. But we do have fellowship where they hang out where we go. But you are being called out if you, oh, well, he didn't pull it up. Anyway, the title is Holiness, You've Been Called Out. But the deal is on there, the word out, the first one is out with an exclamation point, and I had it stricken through. And what I changed it to, um, to was an out with the ellipsis dots at the end. Because the Lord doesn't call us out like he pulls us out or extracts us out of it. But we've been called out as he's pointed at us. And he said, I'm putting you on assignment. I'm sending you out as an ambassador. So you're being called out to go in to the world to exemplify the word of God. To exemplify the blood of Christ. To exemplify the Holy Ghost that resides in you. As we continue, when we've been called out, you know in class where people have been called out like they're telling on you or something like that? It's, not, it's nothing like that. And I, and I just had a conversation with one of my daughters the other day, and she was like, oh, you was a snitch. No, I wasn't a snitch, because I'm like, snitches go do things behind closed doors, right? I was like, but when you're doing something wrong, I'm like, all the way, as a retired military out here on the post, when people are doing foolishness in class, I'm telling you, you cut it out. I was like, I'm going to let the professor know. When I was in charge of group plans and projects, look, you send me your part of the project, the one-fifth you had to do with a writing, if it's garbage, I'm going to tell you about it, and then I'm going to let the professor, I'm going to give you a warning, and then I'm going to tell the professor. But the thing is, what I want to do is I want to call us out unto perfection, and I would expect the same of someone else, which I've been called out by someone before. Many years ago, Sister Joy, called me out about something. And I had to go apologize something that I was teaching, you know. And, 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 you know, the thing is that even if something may not be a full offense, it could be offense to someone, we have to watch where we walk. Now, we can't walk on eggshells because some people's standards are a little bit 
Holy Ghostier than mine. But the Lord has a standing by his word. Hallelujah. The Lord convicts us. What may be good for me may not always be good for everybody in a, in a certain standard. But God does give us a standard. There's some moral standard, some holy standard, but the Lord has a standard. He accepts us as we are, but the Lord wants some change. Hallelujah. Can a brother get some change? Hallelujah. In here, I want to use this example as we talk about with my first line that holiness, you are being called out. As we go to tomorrow, Tamar and Judah, and this is in Genesis 38. And I'm going to just read a small part from the New Living Translation. And it reads, I'm going to just be reading in 38:26. Now, I don't know, you know, if, let me preface this real quick. I'm not sure how many of us remember the, the history of Tamar and Judah, but Judah's, Judah was the oldest son, right? And Judah of the Israelite tribes, as we know, um, Judah had a son who had passed away. He was married to a woman named Tamar. And um, he did not give her a son. And by Jewish law, the next son had to marry her. And so on and so on and so on. And Judah got fearful. Instead of believing in God that he could do something, um, his sons were doing the wrong thing. And uh, we're not going to get into the details. But his sons were doing the wrong thing where it came to a point where he stopped giving his son, stopped offering his sons to Tamar. So in his unrighteousness and being disobedient to the word of God, Tamar did something that was, let me say, um, below reproach. She went ahead and did something she ought not to do. But then again, she did something, even though within her sin, she did something to try to rectify the sin of her father-in-law. So anyway, he impregnated her, and he didn't know. He thought she was a temple prostitute. And after he, uh, she did not show up for him to make his payment, the next thing you know, they sit out looking for her. She shows up, and she gave, her, she gave his seal, as Pastor talked about last week. It was Pastor, or part one of them, right? He gave her seal to him to hold on to until he made full payment. So it was the collateral that many of us know about. <laughs> See, the Bible came up with all this stuff. <laughs> the economy of God. But anyway, when he found out, when they said that this woman, his daughter-in-law was pregnant, and he wanted to call her out, to point at her and say, you've been sinning, you're pregnant, and you have not waited on my sons, she was like, well, I'm pregnant by the man who gave me this seal. So in turn, she called him out. But his words that he came out with was Genesis 38, 26. He said, she, and this is the New Living Translation, is more righteous or holy than I am. Because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son. You see, in this one, right here, Judah had somebody to show him to call him out unto perfection. Call him out unto righteousness called him out and in holiness. And this is holiness. You've been called out dot, dot, dot unto holiness. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. See, next we're moving on to holiness is an inward covering 
inside, which if is true, is the fidelity of your life, is the motivation in your life, will express itself outwardly. It will express itself outwardly. Come on. You see, the thing is, when people walk through our doors and the first time they come in, and after they've been here for about a month or so, somebody will, you know, see them out in the streets or talk to them or see them at church, and they'll tell them that they need to get to a certain level or standard of, you know, their outward appearance or what they listen to or the, 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 the things that they watch or the, you know, all of these things. And, and, and all this is good within certain time, within respect, doing it in truth and love. But, but today I want us to know that, that, that the best way to work things is our example unto us. You, you, you see something? The men and the women, the men and the women taught me when I was a young man in the Lord that there were certain things that were proper and improper. I had a sister that called me out one time because she, you know, where I'm from. Well, my family background, Louisiana. You know, we had a habit, you know, of calling, you know, I'd call people. Actually, I don't even say the word anywhere unless I'm in Louisiana or talking to my family from Louisiana. Calling ladies share or love or baby. And her sister thought I'd call her baby. She went and told her why. She was like, I'm sorry, sister. I mean, you know, you shake a sister's hand and you, she put her hand out and you're like, hey, how you doing, sis? And she how you doing there, brother? We have to be respectful of that. We have to be respectful. They got some people that come and may want to kiss and all that. Some people that want to hug. That's all good. But also we got people who, how you doing there, brother? And gentlemen, we have to be respectful of that. Hallelujah. We have to be respectful of that. We have to watch ourselves. We can't let our good evil be spoken of. And therefore, we have to skew, as Paul said, what? Even the appearance of evil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But anyway, holiness is an inward covering which, if true in your life, will express itself outwardly. Let's go to Titus 2. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. Titus 2. Come on, let's clap our hands for the Lord. In Titus 2, the word speaks. Y'all bear with me. There we go. This is a big button. And then it's got the tabs. But every time I pull on one of the tabs, they come out. They come out. <laughs> so I have to flip through and, you know, this onion paper. But in Titus 1, I mean, Titus 2, verse 1, and I always have it on my little pad and all that. But there's nothing like my paper Bible, because I can take notes in there. I got notes in one of my Bibles of pastors preaching all over it. And it reminds me, and it brings back things that I heard 9, 10, 12 years ago. I have notes on my iPad, and I can somewhat do that because I have an iPad Pro. But when it comes to my paper copy of my Bible, hallelujah, man, when I go back and read this, when I'm down and I need some encouragement, and I start reading something, and something that pastor said, I stated, I noted, a reverend parts, man, it jumps out in a lot. The word is living, the word is breathing, it's animated, it's working in our lives. Hallelujah. I'm getting worked up here, y'all. I'm getting 
But in second and Titus 2, it reads, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, sound in your faith, not that somebody questions you at work, that you go ahead and fold up like a lawn chair. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound of faith, and charity. That means they're loving. That means they're giving. That means if somebody need help, they don't say, oh, that ain't my job description. I used to drive me nuts in the army. Everything's your job description. Y'all don't have me go drill something. Impatience. We got to be patient. The Lord's working on me. Please, Lord, continue working on me. The aged women also, let me tell you, it's, something, it's good to be aged. I remember when Sister Bingham was like, Brother Money, I've never met someone who was so excited to make 50 years old. And I was like, sis, I was like, I have so many friends who didn't make the 15, I mean, well, 25 years old. I can't say 15. But um, most of the ones who were 15 had illnesses. But by the time I was 25, I lost many friends. And I, didn't, and I lived in a nice area outside of Fort Jackson. But the thing is, the choices that they made, Sometimes by their own hands, sometimes by the hands of others. Sometimes, unfortunately, some of the same things that we go through today. Unfortunately, by the hands of the police. But the thing is, these are ugly, egregious incidents. And we all need to be holed up. Until what? Until holiness. That's what I expect of all of us. Hallelujah. Let's continue. But it's a good to be older. But it says, the age of women likewise, that they may be in behavior as becoming holiness, not false accusers, gossiping and all that, not giving too much wine. And we, that's a whole other Bible study when we talk about wine and the stealing and the spirits and things like that. That's a whole Bible study in itself that you have to look at when the Bible talks about wine and somebody always asks me about Jesus and wine. And I tell them, believe me, that first of all, you ain't Jesus. You know, they always say you ain't Chuck Norris. You know, you ain't, you ain't whatever. You know, you ain't Jesus, so <laughs> therefore. But anyway, um, teachers of good things, good things, that they may teach the young women to be what? Sober. And that doesn't always mean without alcohol, what we mean and what we think today and our and our and our um 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 and our yeah, and our English vernacular day, we just told we just make the English so upset. The people over in Great Britain are mad at us. We just just check their language all up. But sober, meaning being sound in your mind, right? To love their husbands. Yep, and not the husbands on your TV shows. Or not the singers on your music box. Or the guy at your job. To love their children. We have a, we have a good one with that today, but to love our children also means to discipline them. Letting them run amok is not loving them. To be discreet. Chess keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Oh man, there's so many Bible studies in here. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, meaning not being out there doing foolish things, doing what the rest of the world do, watching what the rest of the world does, watching, going um, to events and doing things that you ought not to be doing. Nothing wrong with going to a football game. But if I go to a football game, jump up, take my shirt off, draw a letter on my, sh on my chest, pull my shirt off, raise my hands, and praise the football team, while I get to church, cross my arms, cross my legs, sit down, and don't say a word the whole service. 
doctrine of showing uncorruptness, gravity, that means that mean not being high-minded, not, 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 not being all over the place, that means not believing a whole bunch of conspiracy theories of what you hear, what you see, even within the Bible, getting caught up in all this foolishness with numbers and thinking that, God, you know, somebody's name has this many digits, so this person's an anti-crime. This vaccination's an anti-crime. This is that. That's a, get out of this. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil things saved of you. Because if you're a man or woman of Christ, but people can't say nothing but good things, there's something wrong. Help us out. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and so on, right? But it continues to read, says, but showing all good fidelity, truth, that they may be may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. And I'm gonna say that again. May adorn. When he talks about adorn, adorning something means to wear, to put on. Right? And when it says this, it's not just talking about our outward attire. What it's talking about is when we put on Christ, we put off everything else. We take off the world. We take off the selfishness. We take off, hey, let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong. My, my people from Louisiana, there's nothing wrong with the culture of Louisiana and New Orleans. But all the witchcraft, all the things that are torn up in there, I can't sit and take this, these little rudiment things on. I can't take on these, um, um, what is it called? The things I used to do all the time, don't sweep across my feet. Superstitions, there we go, thank you. That's how much I left that, I can't even remember what it was called. Leave that stuff with the old man. It was buried, it is dead, it is washed away. Because we've been lifted up to a new level. We're going to Genesis 9. We have Potiphar's wife and Joseph. Potiphar's wife and Joseph. Let's go to 9. Genesis 9. Now remember, Paul said, Let us not do evil to make something righteous. Right? So we already talked about Tamar, but here with Potiphar's wife is very interesting. And this is something that I'm going to touch on. Uh, against some wise counsel, but I just think that it's good to notice that. And I just want to bring this up so that we know that the difference between the fidelity, as the Bible talks about fidelity so much, it means truth. I mean, we're always truthful in everything we do. Um, as a soldier in Afghanistan, early in our time in Afghanistan, I had an um, um, encounter with a young man that I was doing Bible studies with later in Iraq. But I found out that in Islam, you're allowed to lie if it is made just to deceive the enemy. So you get out of something or to give you a benefit or edge to be able to kill them, right? And unfortunately, as I was reading, they had something about Potiphar's wife and Joseph where it said that Potiphar's wife was a just woman because she was trying to keep, she was trying to follow what God wanted, you know, which is a weird, twisted thinking that, that Judas was doing the righteous thing because somebody had to portray God and some Christianity even teach this because this is what I thought when I came to the Lord coming from my old Christian denomination is that Judas was just a pawn. That pretty much the will of God is so powerful that man cannot resist. That God makes a man to do evil to make his work done. No. Only the devil, Lucifer, Satan does that. 
Now the Lord, because of the gravity of our earth, the sin has entered in back with Adam and Eve, that men make choices. And James addresses that. I always tell men, you want to you point something yourself? When you first come to the Lord, I always tell the men, read James. It'll provoke you. But anyway, Joseph. Joseph said, um, um, Potiphar's wife said to Joseph, Joseph, come to bed with me. But he refused. That's all I'm going to say. She said, come to bed with me. But he refused. You see, the thing is, what did he say after this? As we continue to read in chapter 9. Somebody help me out. It says that what um, what um, So it's 39, 8 and 9. But the amazing thing is that he said that, you know, basically the master has given me everything in his household or given me authority over everything in his household except for you. But then what Joseph told her was he didn't say so much that I'm scared I'm going to get thrown in jail. He didn't say I don't want to be killed or shot. He didn't say anything of the sort. He said, how can I do this evil thing against my God? Right. See, that's what we got to think about when it comes to holiness. We have to think, how can I do this evil thing against my God? Not just, oh, I might get fired from work if somebody steals something and I don't say anything. Or I might go, I mean, um, if, I don't, you know, if I don't say anything to this person about that, you know, then I'm going to be caught up in it too. No, we have to understand and know that there's always one watching. Whether nobody else is, there's always a mighty God that's watching us and knows that one day we'll have to be accountable for that. But holiness, you've been called out to accept the challenge to be in the world, but not of it. And as I'm preparing to close, I want to go ahead and quickly cover our last one which is one of the most astounding ones. And don't be shocked. Holiness. Get over yourself. First Thessalonians 4, 4 through 9. I had to get over myself. And I'm still the Lord 19 years later. Because I'm almost 19 years. My Holy Ghost birthday was uh, in March, around March. I think it was March 9th or March 13th, somewhere between there. And um, um, a couple of events. Because we had a men's, I remember we had a... Uh, a men's event in, out there in Hawaii. So we had men from all the other islands that had came over and all that. And it was a great fellowship. And the Lord touched me. And when I went back to church, it was even more so. But the amazing thing is, I mean, I couldn't stop. It was like for hours on end after we had left. Everybody else was eating, but I already had my supper from the word that God had gave me. So I went to bed, not home, but I went to bed with a full stomach. But in 1 Thessalonians, it says that everyone should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification, which is righteousness, which is holiness, and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even which is simple thoughts, lustful thoughts. And um, the derivative is mainly, and I tell you, if you ever study psychology, if you ever went back and read, you know, a lot of things from Plato and Socrates, as a lot of psychologists do, I picked it up a little bit, just, 
you know, helping my wife read our papers and things like this. A lot of a lot of things are tied to, as the Bible said, when a man fornicates or adultery, he's not just committing sin against somebody else, but he's committing sin against his own body. And so, we get soul, soul. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. So the amazing thing, even when whether it's too willing or not, it's against your own soul. Both of them. But anyway, um, the amazing thing is in here in line seven, it says, For God hath not called us unto cleanness, uncleanness, but unto holiness. He that therefore despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. So when somebody's upset with you because of your holiness, or we're upset because somebody's holier than us. Because this person doesn't watch this program or listen to this music. You know, I can't get upset because, you know, somebody listens to Kirk Franklin and I don't. And then lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> and the people he line up with sometimes. That's my own thing. But I'm not going to get mad at you. You can listen to him on your playlist all day long if you want to. But that's me. That's me. To keep myself. Because you're not going to connect me with somebody else. Like Justin Bieber and all that. And the next thing you know, I'm like, man, he's got a pretty good voice. I'm going to listen to some of his stuff. Well, some of his stuff is clean, so I can listen to that, but I ain't going to listen to other stuff. No. I'm staying away from it all. You do what you do to keep you, and I'm doing what I do. But I love this because the word talks about holiness. You've been called out to understand God, God's power is the only power that can bring you out. And of course, I wanted to go over Simon and the sorcerer, where many people skip over in Acts 8.24. But Simon the sorcerer, I think, was a man who was considering that he had left his witchcraft. But when he asked Peter to buy the power to be able to lay hands on people and they be filled with the Holy Ghost, that was an error of a youth. But when Peter went ahead and told him, he was like, you're going to die within that sin. And he went ahead and repented. And he said, oh man, pray! That the things that you have stated do not happen to me. I believe that this man had turned 180 and had learned something that great. In conclusion, if we are dead to our sins, we must not succumb to our own selfish desires. If you could all please stand. And revert back to our old habits, personalities, the tongues that we speak. And when I speak a tongue, I thought people talk curse so much that it sounds like they're trying to speak another language. Because they're not saying what it is or Spanish, or whatever language they speak. If you, was, if you smoked more than Thomas the Train before, today you blow no more. If you were Madeo before you encountered Christ, you turned yourself in. If you were Samuel L. Jackson before Christ came along, you are no longer in Pulp Fiction, you are in Apostolic Freedom. First Corinthians say, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers, of them, uh, uh, abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revivers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. You've been called out. You've been called out. You've been called out to righteousness. You've been called out to holiness. And I pray that we would learn, preach, and teach the same to all we know. The altar is open as I close out with this. You've been called out. And as
6 and Zechariah 4 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You see, the Duggar family and Miss Jigger, one of the young ladies, their daughter, she wrote a book recently, and many people, with all the ugly things that went on with the incest that went on in her family, with the greed that went on with the church organization that she was linked up with, with the lies and deceit of the extreme standards to where it just ran people, let me say this, ran righteous people off because of somebody else's own hangups. But she wrote a book that was very tasteful because her book is disentangling and not deconstructing her Christian faith. You see, many times we look at people who have a holiness standard and we want to think or have holiness in their life. And when I say holiness standard, I'm talking about just this when I'm wearing it. I'm talking about within me. That there's certain things I don't watch. There's certain things I don't listen to. There's certain things I don't mess around with. I'm not going to a gentleman's bar to sit up there to say I'm going to bring the gospel. What I'm doing is I'm standing across the street calling them out. And I'm pointing out. And I'm saying, let's resist the devil. We can only do so much. But the power of God has given us the power to resist. But it's the word of God that rebukes. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Lord. We are thankful, Lord, today, Lord, that you have brought us into this place, Lord, to hear your mighty word, Lord. I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us, Lord, that you have called us out, Lord, hallelujah, out of the world, Lord Jesus, or out in the world, Lord, that you have appointed us, you have chosen us, you have selected us, Lord, by your decree, Lord, as it says, that at the foundations of the world, Lord Jesus, that you have chosen us. But we have to take and grasp that opportunity, Jesus, that you may be able to work on us, in us, and through us. We pray, Lord, hallelujah, for each and every man and woman that is in this place, under the sound of my voice, Lord, that you will work on us mightily, and let your word continue to chip away the hard edges and smooth us out in the Holy Ghost, Lord. Let us be obedient to your word and to the spirit that resides in us. To God be the glory. Thank you all, and be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close out, if anybody want to spend a couple of minutes, as they're going to open up the doors and prepare for our 11 o'clock service. But the Lord has given us a mighty word, powerful word. And if you need prayer, hallelujah, we definitely invite you up to the altar to come and pray. It's never too much, too early, or too late to come to the altar of God and to pour out in everything that we have right up here that the Lord may continue to refine us like the sweet gold that it speaks of that's going to be laid out all over heaven when we get there. God bless you. May the Lord continue to work on you. And this word speaks to you today. And glory be to God. In Jesus' name. Bless